This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 153. This week, I caught up with chef, author and Olive favourite, John Gregory Smith. John has just written a brilliant new book all about Lebanese food, and we chat all about his travels in the country while he researched the book, the kinds of dishes he discovered and how he translated them back to doable recipes. And we also make some incredible street food inspired kebabs live on the podcast. It's a jam packed episode and John really brings the country to life. Be warned though, you're going to be hungry after this one. So welcome back to the podcast, John Gregory Smith. Hey, nice to be back. <laughs> and we're here to celebrate the publication of your new book, Saffron in the Souks. Yes, and you guys have given it a killer feature in the magazine, so I'm very, very happy. Yeah, it is in our May issue, which is out right now. Yeah. Um, it's all about Lebanon. Um, I mean, Lebanon's not the most um, obvious place that mm. people would go and visit or, you know, it's not. it's not your standard holiday destination what first attracted you to the idea of going and writing a book about it so i um i've grew, grew up in london and on, on, on the edgeware road there's a massive lebanese community so yeah. i've always eaten that kind of food and really enjoyed it and loved it um and it's the sort of the big dishes that you get you get your hummus your fatouche delicious shawarmas and they're yummy and uh that prompted me a while ago to go to work in a restaurant in Lebanon um, about eight years ago or nine years ago because I wanted to kind of learn a little bit more about the food and I knew that there'd be more, slightly more to it, to it than, than what you, yeah. So I went there, had an amazing time and... Um, How long did you spend out there? I was there for about a week and a half, two right. weeks, I think. Um, and I just stayed in the city. And the the, the point was when I was there, um, the, the country was sort of a bit like that yeah um i'm making a uh, slightly weird hand gestures and um a <laughs> uh, bit, uns- bit unstable a bit time. unstable yeah, exactly yeah. and what everyone was saying to me is just stay in the city you'll be absolutely fine is that beirut stay in beirut yeah, you'll yeah. Be fine so that's what i did and i had a wonderful time and um but i kept hearing about all these amazing places within the country mm. to, and, and amazing dishes because it's very regional how it's split up uh and thinking, oh, it's a bit of a waste. I can't get there. Yeah. So I kept in touch with those um, people who helped me originally. And um, they kind of said the country's in a really different place right now. It's really stable yeah. and it's really safe. So you should come out and have another look. And that's kind of what prompted me to go and do it. Yeah. And what was what was amazing was to go from being in a place where I was advised not to leave the city yeah. to then literally I just hired a car and drove around on my own and I don't speak Did any you? Arabic I'm quite a shit driver <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing I was so well looked after I felt so safe the whole time yeah. and it just felt like such an adventure being there it was brilliant it's it's hard really because I, I was going to mention that I went I went online this morning to see what the government advice is for going to Lebanon mm. and for, for places like Beirut and Tripoli obviously there it's kind of like seek advice but it's fine yeah but they do like red um red mark quite a lot of the country yeah. is do not go here yeah. under any circumstances which is you know it, it's difficult if you're not actually actually there and getting advice from people yeah. if, it might scare people off Definitely. you know to actually go there well the neighbors being syria, syria and then israel syria to the northeast and yeah. israel to the south and sadly they don't like each other and then there's still a war going on in syria yeah. um but what's interesting is when you're there 
Lebanon's not very big. It's pretty no. tiny. Uh, I was in this village in Becca Valley, which is the wine region, uh, it's sort of in the east of oh, the country. Wow. And it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. And you, <clears throat> it, it's right next to the Syrian border. So the, the, where the valley runs down, the mountains to the other side of Syria. And I was in this little village and my mum called me. And um, she was like, she literally was like, darling, there's a war. Get out now. <laughs> oh, and I was like, what? what? And she was like, there's planes bombing. You've got to get out now. And I was thinking like, oh, okay, fine. You know, that, that okay, fine. Oh God, oh God. And went to speak to the people yeah. in the, like where I was staying. And they were like, no, that's like 400 miles away oh in God, Syria. Really? And they, they were bombing a chemical factory. And the point being that that part of the world is so used to that being the norm actually 400 yeah. miles for them is a world away yeah. and I was completely safe and I did feel like I'm not an idiot if I don't feel safe I'll get out of there but I yeah. felt really safe really secure and actually when the locals say you're all right you, you're you are fine yeah. if they say do you know what I think you should just get out of here or not go yeah. there yeah or maybe like avoid that area that's what you don't listen to there. yeah and then it, uh, there was a part of um the, of, of the country in the south that I got told not to go to but I made a sort of informed decision to go down there to meet a particular farmer and it was extraordinary so it, it, in the very far south in a place called Nabatea mm. um it's uh the the area is, is Hezbollah run yeah. and to, you know straight away to us that kind of all those that's not a particularly pleasant word but sort of right here right now it's it's a political party and um you know life goes on when yeah, you're down yeah, there yeah. so I went to meet this guy and what was extraordinary it was one of the most beautiful parts of the country really? I've ever seen yeah and you would never have seen that if no you yeah. and and I went I, I that time I did go with someone and I didn't drive myself and I yeah. think mainly they were just because you're a really bad driver <laughs> more than anything else but um it was just so mm. beautiful and serene and we were like in his amazing zata fields which is a which is a herb they grow yeah. and he took me down to this gorge where you could Crazy. sort of see the borders yeah and you just would have I was thinking this 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 can't be the hottest most dangerous place yeah, in the world this exactly. is beautiful yeah. yeah it was very weird yeah. but like you know it's a, it's a fascinating place it's just yeah it, it is a bit edgy where it's near yeah so how do you go about like once you've once you've pitched your book idea and you um it's been accepted how, how do you go about pulling everything together how do you I mean how do you plan the trip and um the gathering of information so that is a weird bit you have to like you just got to do your homework. So like right. where, where in so the, the sort of starting point is like, are there any dishes that I've read about or right. ingredients I've heard of or places that are meant to be really foody? And that's mm. quite a good starting point. And then it's just finding like um, restaurants or chefs or bloggers or anyone who can kind of give you a little bit of information. Because yeah. for me, what's really important is getting into people's homes yeah. and it is really hard I know you like that I love that because you always get cooked the best stuff ever yeah. when you go to someone's home um and it is really hard but I think you've got to kind of do a rough like what do you want to get out of this and uh when you're there be quite fluid on the ground and you've got to really like I don't know it, it's having a lot of like enthusiasm and it's sort of running with something just to sort yeah. of see where it will go and it, what I always find is that, you know, I'll go somewhere where I don't think I'm going to get much out of it and it will be, the, it'll the, be best the best thing best ever. One, yeah. yeah, Or something that should be amazing. Yeah. They'll just won't show you anything. But on a practical level, once you've, once you've like decided that you're going to go to these various places, is it, I mean, how many, how long would you have to spend out there? So I spent a couple of months doing the really? homework for this yeah. book. Yeah. And what was sort of 
when I was there, you sort of figuring it out as you go along. So I sort of roughly knew where I wanted to go. And mm. I would keep asking people, is that the right place to go for right. this dish? Or is that, you know, is, is she the best person who cooks this? Or, okay. do, you know, do you, do you have, where does your auntie live? Can I go and hang yeah. out with her? And you do have to be a little bit sort of fluid. But the other thing is like, if something's not quite right as well, you've got to kind of know to not waste too much yeah. time on it. Because it can, you can be very like whimsical otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> And then when you when you're actually when you were out there, how long did you spend traveling around? Um, so I, I was there for a few months driving yeah. around, um, and it was very like, you know, I I'd stay places for a couple of days or a day or I think the longest I'd ever stay really was like three yeah. days in one place. And did you have a guide at that point taking you? All? I did it all solo. Did you? Yeah. Wow. So the whole trip I did like. I mean, for ages, because I'm so tight with money, for ages I refused <laughs> I refused to buy a SIM card for my mobile. So I had a hire card. Okay, so you were completely unreachable. I love this. I had a hire card <laughs> with a sat-nav that, yeah. uh, like, has not been updated since, like, 1994. <laughs> and uh, it, that was quite an interesting yeah. first week because there aren't any street signs yeah. at all. There's no road signs. There's nothing. So I'd put things into this sat-nav and I did a few times end up like the other end of the country to where it was meant to be. I'd be like, <laughs> someone would say it for 40 minutes and like six hours later, I'd be like, oh, where am God. I? Uh, um, and then I finally caved in and got one, um, a local sim, so I could kind of navigate a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, it was brilliant. Just that's the best way. Just get out, go and see it all. Yeah. When you're on your own as well, I think you're kind of more adaptable about yeah. what you're going to do or where you want to go and... I love it. I, I, I love an adventure. So How did brilliant. you get over the language barrier, though? Because presumably... <laughs> Google Translate. <laughs> really? Literally, yeah. Literally. Once once the sort of floodgates open to mobile technology, it's just so good because yeah. you can really communicate. Also, their level of English is brilliant out yeah. there. I mean, it's extraordinary. Pretty much everyone has a basic has level a basic. of English, yeah. And what you, you kind of... Did you did you like call ahead or did you just boil up and go, hi, I'm writing a book about Eleven and No, you'd always pre like yeah. pre sort everything out. <laughs> I mean, th there are a few people who, when I turned up, they were a bit like, so why are you here again? Like, yeah. we someone didn't quite know <laughs> yeah, what you it would were be there like for. Yeah. Chinese whispers, like yeah. we got told you're coming here, yeah. but we don't know why. <laughs> uh, but then again, they they're very like WhatsApp savvy out there, yeah. and everyone does like voice calling WhatsApp. So you just would just sort everything out on WhatsApp. Yeah. That was brilliant. And they were quite welcoming once you were there. So, once they realised you were there. To I mean, I think food is that universal language, isn't it? Once mm -hmm. you, you you were talking about, I want to see how you make this. Yeah. And they must have been quite proud about Definitely. showing you too. And what I found, um, this is going to sound really cheesy, but it, it, I mean this in a really sincere way, is when people realise that, that I'm there to not only broadcast about their food, I'm trying to broadcast how fucking amazing their country their is and how beautiful and, yeah, it yeah, is yeah, and yeah. how people should come and explore and visit and, and indulge in it people really were like yeah really welcoming once that yeah. was sort of brought up because they can I'm, I'm quite an excitable person yeah and so it'll be running around flapping and I think people be like oh my god he really does love it here yeah. like that that definitely helped I can imagine you getting very excited very. and jumping up and down like Tigger and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what's the um I mean obviously you said it's not a big country, but they, but it is kind of in different areas. They they have different sort of food cultures. So let's just talk about say Beirut. You said Beirut is in your description of Beirut. It sounded you said it's like achingly hip. It sounded yeah. a bit like East London. It is. It's extraordinary. <laughs> really? So it's real because it's all a bit. You know, it was it was battered. So it's yeah. just been rebuilt. Yeah, yeah, completely. So yeah. it still has it. It's got like this really glossy kind of cool new bit. Yeah. Um, and like if you go down to the the sea because it's, yeah. it's on the sea, it's on the Mediterranean, which is lovely. 
it's like being in Miami, like amazing wow. skyscrapers and stuff. And then the old bit, which is sort of more grungy and like kind of being done up, is just covered in like cool graffiti. It's very vibrant. There's a big art scene there. Yeah. And the 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 sort of the city is um, culturally, you know, such a mix of of different religions and different cultures. And uh, because it's new. There's there's a lot of you know there's new stuff hitting that all the time. Yeah. So like the restaurant scene's amazing there wow. because you get like amazing old street food and, and incredible old dishes mixed with like you know super slick, sexy, cool restaurants doing really? like modern Lebanese yeah. or uh, my favorite is a place called Baron that does like the owner's Greek mm-hmm. and he's sort of mixed like Greek and Lebanese food and it's Ooh. just it's extraordinarily good. So you will get kind of a fu- the, like the fine dining side street oh, food God, yeah. and everything in yeah. between. And then if you want like sushi or a burger or French food or whatever it's all there. Wow. Yeah, so it's, like a it's properly really cool. like modern city yeah. as well. And what what's so lovely about it is one of those cities that when you walk around in the day it can seem kind of quite hot and a bit dusty. Yeah. Just because it is really, really hot. hot. And dusty. <laughs> yeah. And then you go at night and it's just like a different place. Like everything's lit up, everyone's out on the street, yeah. eating, drinking, having fun. So has it got quite a young vibe as well? Definitely. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go and party there really hard. It's yeah. brilliant. So like whole clubbing scene. And... Re- there's a club called uh, Gartan or Garden. I think it's Garden, but with a G or like Garten right. or whatever. And it's like, it looks like the pyramid stage of Glastonbury right what? on the harbour. Oh, crazy. And they do everything there like later anyway. Yeah. So you don't get there till say three in the morning. Uh, although I got there at half one and it was empty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, that's so late. Was that because what, what, you were too early? Or you were too so late? I was out for dinner and some yeah. friends texted saying, we're going to go to this club. So I just thought, oh, it's like midnight now. I'll head over and got there. It was like, literally, like there was no one there. Because no one had turned yeah, up Yeah, so when I texted and go like, where is everyone? They were like, um, no one will get there till three, John. You're being oh. weird. Come and meet us in a bar. But then you stay there till 10 in the morning and yeah. it's just glorious. That's like Iceland. We went out in Iceland really? and, in Reykjavik. And um, yeah, we went out at 1am and we thought, oh, you know, and they were like, no, everyone's yeah. two two a.m. What is it out. about Brits though? We just like to get really stuck in and get absolutely shit. What is go it about them that they don't go out until two or three a.m. and they want to mm. stay up all night? I mean, it's so much energy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> lots of house drinking goes on in yeah, Iceland as well because it yeah. it's so expensive to buy a drink. Um, and then contrast that with something like Tripoli. Is that quite quite a different vibe when Massively. you get there? Yeah, Tripoli is one of the most incredible cities in the world. So it's this incredible old walled harbour town just mm. north of um Beirut so it's about an hour and a half up the coast and it just oozes like history and culture right. and it feels a lot more um a lot more kind of traditional Arabic I guess than yeah. say Beirut which is so kind of modern and the food scene there is just incredible so it's just street food like everywhere so everywhere you go it's amazing street, street food, food. Destination yeah it's is wicked get to Tripoli really good yeah. yeah and what's lovely about Tripoli is again at night it sort of it it changes obviously everyone's working the day but there's this lovely kind of um boardwalk all the way down the, oh, wow. the harbour and the sea yeah. and just you walk down there at night and it's just so lovely like all families out eating yeah. and drinking there's nice. loads of ice cream to be eaten lovely fish everywhere yeah really really gorgeous place stick around for more lebanese food and travel chat and to hear john making those incredible hole-in-the-wall lebanese kebabs Can we talk about some of the food? Like, so you, were, you you mentioned a few things before, but what is there? What's the kind of defining um, theme of Lebanese Clever. food? Would you say? 
Is it like cooking over coal? I, I guess it's, there's a lot of like chard and... There is. It's quite hard to define, I guess. Yeah. And I think what makes Lebanese food so unique is that... It's maybe the mix. It's this cultures, mix. Yeah. You've got this massive mix of um, different religions, like Christian and Arabic, yeah. Druze, massive mix of different sort of cultures and then the old and the new. And I think that that's kind of what makes it so exciting. That's also not the answer you were looking right. for. <laughs> um, and I think some of the defining things are like, they do love cooking over coals yeah. and kebab is massive. So like the shawarma is like the yeah. king of the kebab out there. But I think one of the real sort of uh, consistencies is is the the love of tang. So whether right. that be sumac, pomegranate or lemon, oh, yeah. they just love that sort of tanginess, tart tang in everything. And I've sort of, that that really kind of hit home when I was there, mm. the way they use those ingredients to give it that lovely sort of sour edge is wicked. Yeah. One of the recipes we've got in the magazine, actually, that you that you gave to us was um, the talking about kebabs. The kebab. Oh, the, joyous. The joyously named Kebab King Chicken Shawarma. Yeah. Can you talk us through that? Because the story of this and, oh my God, it was like a plague of locusts in the Olive <laughs> Magazine test kitchen when this came out because it is, it's properly. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. So the um, Chicken Shawarma is like a grilled chicken kebab where they put um, all the chicken on that like slightly weird bulbous thing and it spins round. Yeah. So um, it's like slices, lots and lots of slices yeah. of chicken and then they stack them up on a, yeah. a skewer, don't they? But like... Um, so uh, vertically, vertically yeah. yeah and and so the point being sort of all the juices drip down and they those have typically kind of scare me because yeah. i think they look a bit gross <laughs> and like you were how long has that been left there but definitely in in a culture like lebanon you know things get eaten quick so yeah. you don't need to worry about, about about it not being fresh but i arrived really late one night in beirut and um was starving and asked the guys who I was staying with where yeah. to go and get a kebab. And they were like, right, you've got to go to this little place. And um, they call it like Armenia town, but it, uh, it's it's where, where all the Armenian community live. And yeah. I walked down there <laughs> and um, this tiny little kebab place was making these shawarmas. And what was really wicked is in the sort of meat tray below yeah. the uh, bulbous bit. Where it's capturing all the juices. Yeah. They had oven cooked chips. So they're just sort of soaking up all this joyous meat juice. And I'm sort of like looking at it thinking like, this is so naughty, but so amazing. And then once that's in a kebab, it's just this sort of like textural deliciousness. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, Who oh, doesn't love chips stuffed into I know. A I mean, you know, double carbohydrates a win. And it was just, again, it's just a very clever way to do something. I've yeah. never seen that before and I loved it. But then just on a practical level how do you take an idea like that and a, a dish that you've eaten and then bring it onto the page i mean it looks done it and i mean you know translate it into a recipe that everyone can make at home so how do you start thinking about it i think that's yeah so I, I i remember going away from that and i actually ate in that place so many times and thinking i've got to do something with it and they would never really tell me what was on it which was the annoying thing i just i did ask them a lot <laughs> you had to um, eat it a lot <laughs> yeah so i kept saying what's the spice mix and they just refused to tell me so i kind of that bit i i made up but it was just thinking about how could you get that same charred juiciness on the chicken, chicken with the yeah. chips and i and it's that that was it it was sort of like utilizing an oven, get that oven really, really hot, yeah. cook off the chips first, right. and then cut your chicken off on top of them. Yeah. So that as the chicken juices go down, it will absorb it and you get something similar that yeah. we can all do at home. Because I think you've used chicken, chicken thigh fillips, which yeah. we love. Yeah, easy. Because they're really difficult to overcook. You can yeah. really like throw a lot of heat at them and yeah. they'll just get super juicy. And yeah, exactly. That is, honestly, that recipe is incredible. It is quite a winner. If you want yeah. to uh, win new friends, I would suggest cooking it. <laughs> and you've also got this great... Um, I wanted to talk about hummus, but this is this is actually a it's a um, variation of hummus called 
Melazia. Melazia. Because you said there's so many variations, Mm. wasn't it? So you came across across this in a... um, in the souk of Tripoli. Yeah. So actually this, we, we'd done this like amazing morning in, in Tripoli and there's, there's two different parts of Tripoli. There's like the port and then the sort of the main bit. We were, mm. we'd done the port and we walked over to the main bit. And my, the, my guide, who's this lovely man called Hisham was saying like, we'll stop for like a little breakfast at 11. And you were like, oh my God, I'm oh so my full God, already. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little breakfast. Yeah. And we went into this place and it was like, you couldn't really tell because it was down a sort of tiny little winding road yeah. and a little door and in you went. And then suddenly you were in this like cavernous 300 cover restaurant called Aqua wow. and it just serves hummus. So different varieties just of hummus. hummus. Yeah. So you'd get a whole bowl to yourself with pickles and bread and that, oh. that's what you eat. And it's, you know, if you're, if you're working hard, it's cheap yeah. and it's nutritious and it's delicious. Yeah. Um, and we ordered all the different types of hummus and um, they've got hummus full, which is made with different beans. And they've got the classic hummus, hummus baruti, which has got meat on. And then this hummus, mm. which is sort of slightly textured and a bit right. more lemony. So it's more, it got squished chickpeas yeah, in as well as... just, you know, there's a, a bit more bite to it almost. And then they put on this like velvety soft chilli butter that they roast oh, off wow. nuts. Roasted nuts get then cooked in the butter and chili poured butter. on top. And it's just so decadent Dreamy. and rich and amazing. And I, that was a proper hand flapping moment. I was like, oh my God, this is like the best thing I've ever seen ever. And actually ran into the kitchen yeah. and was like, tell me everything about this. And these, all these people turned around and they're like, what is he doing here? And it was so good. That was like, it was just, what, what I loved about yeah. it as well, it was, it was just a sort of simple variant on something we know really well. Yeah. You know, did they spill? I mean, did they give you They a, actually did. No, they did, did they? tell me how to make it. And um they, I can't remember. There's something funny about. They call it like. I really want to say like Malaysian hummus or something like that. Right. And I was like, "Why is it Malaysian?" And they were like, "Oh, because of the nuts." And I remember thinking, "Like, well, oh, I don't really understand that affiliation." Tell the English man it's Malaysian. I slightly yeah. left that bit out of my instructions. I couldn't work out whether they were totally taking. And you did. I mean, just for people who are thinking I don't want to soak chickpeas overnight and then it can't I use a tin I mean it's worth it isn't it I think for yes, the extra I texture. would say shame on you, you <laughs> thinking about it <laughs> uh, soak those chickpeas it just makes a huge difference yeah. so that what I when I learned how to make hummus the, yeah. the big thing that um because I've always made it with a can and to be fair if you want to mm. make it with a can just do it but what what everyone said to me was to get the right consistency you don't put oil into the mix it's the water that you cook the chickpeas oh, in. So you need that which is silky like water. Aquaf- aquafaba, That's which, it. yeah, yeah, or aquafaba. Um, and it's that that gives it the fluffiness mm. and the consistency. And you just, a can of chickpeas doesn't have that. It's got a brine. It's different. I think you do, I mean, you can make meringues from the water in the chickpeas. Yeah. However, because um, it, it firms up, doesn't it? Yeah, they'll still, so they still do call it the tin, the can water aquafaba, but I think it's a lot better quality is because it? it's not no what i mean is doing it fresh yeah you'll get a lot better quality because yeah. it's it's got a lot of stuff in there that's been taken out got in it. a canon process so probably and, it, and i know. think texture wise and taste wise it just i've got we were talking about greg maloof before who's a lebanese right <laughs> writer and um and basically um i went to a dinner and they had the silkiest uh hummus ever and yep. i said how do you do it and they skinned chickpeas that I will draw the line yeah. at. Like that again. That is sort of very traditional. You would, you boil the chickpeas and you chickpeas. remove the it's skins. Another level. I might Life do it one day. Way too short. Oh my short. god! Though it was absolutely. Was it amazing? It was incredible. It was like next level. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! No. Like, <laughs> that that to me is like go and eat that. Get yeah. go to a restaurant yeah, go, and go, eat go, that and relish the fact you didn't do it. It's and, a bit privileged, but get someone else yeah. to skin yeah, yeah, your get, chickpeas. Get, get someone else to get a recipe and get someone else to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
And then um, lastly, before we, because we are going to actually cook something today, mm. we're going to cook some beautiful skewers. But um, let's just talk about this incredible tart, let's this dark chocolate it. and halva. Because um, you said you got the idea in a, a Beirut coffee shop, yes. in an Aiken Hip Beirut coffee shop. Um, so where did that come from, this dark chocolate halva so, combo? Again, it was just, it sort of goes to show like how surprising that city is. Yeah. Um, someone, I, 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 this, I've done a bit of work with a charity called World Food Programme and I went to meet their marketing guy and he just said, come for a coffee yeah. in this area called like Marmikal, which is really cool bit of Beirut. And so I was walking up this road and it was sort of just, just a nice road, nothing, couldn't really see anything. And you, I went through this little door and there was this beautiful courtyard and this really hip, like really hip coffee shop. <laughs> so I like love Arabic coffee and that's what I drink yeah. at home all the time. And was that's what I was thinking I was going to be drinking. And no, no, not in there. It was all like the kind of like mad filter stuff oh, really? and like really yeah, yeah. cool origin coffees and single bean things and like nothing Middle Eastern. No. So that slightly was weird. But then they had these amazing like array of sort of very modern cakes and pastries, but all with just a lovely Arabesque right. twist. And they did, I can't remember what the original thing was that they did. I think it was just like a, a, it was a chocolate tart or something, but it was just so rich and decadent and then had these massive chunks of halva in that are really sweet. So you get the sort of the the dark, the bitterness of the dark chocolate Mm. and then the sweetness of the halva and it's just deeply pleasing the whole thing. And halva's made with... um, It's like a sesame seed. It's like sesame, flour, sugar and honey, I think, which is all kind of boiled together and then, and then sort of squashed into a block. I think that's about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I've never made it. So, but this... I'm actually mouthing, I don't really know. I always just buy it in the market. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because it's one of those things that you buy. And, it... and people... like, but there's certain things that people do so well. I mean, why yeah. would you be making it? And do you know what? Like, all over the world, whenever I've traveled yeah. around the Middle East, especially, that's kind of where they eat halva. Yeah. Everyone just goes to the market and yeah. buys it. You yeah. go to the market, you buy a block of halva. You're, not, block you're of halva. not at home doing no. witchcraft. You just buy the halva. <laughs> but that is that is an amazing one to make because you've got a, um, it's a beautiful kind of chocolate, deep dark chocolate ganache filling. Mm. And then that lovely kind of sweet halva as well. It's it is lovely. And, it, you know, it's it, it's sort of a lovely sort of nod to the modern cooking yeah. of Lebanon. Yeah. Talking about cooking, should we go and cook Let's something? Let's do it. Okay. So we've, we've come out into John's... Um, lovely um no, uh, what northwest london roof terrace yes and we've got the um grill all set up what are we making so we're doing hole in the wall kebabs okay uh, which we've graciously mixed and it's a mix of lovely beef yeah grated onion garlic parsley and then lovely uh seven spice which is like a lebanese version of baharat so it's yeah. like a woody spice mix yeah bit of pulby burr which is a lovely smoky pepper um, if you can't get that, you can just use chilies, and then a little pinch of allspice, which just okay. gives it a really lovely depth of flavour. Um, and these, you say in the recipe that you would use a twenty percent mix of yeah beef, like as in twenty percent fat. Fat, yeah. What's the advantage of doing that? Fat is your friend when you're cooking, and um, <laughs> that's why butter tastes so good. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the fat will keep the meat really moist because you're going to grill these. So it's quite a quick cook grill. And if you use very lean meat, it will just dry out straight away. So by having the fat in there, you get extra sort of juiciness and moisture. And and that's what gives it all the flavour, really. Okay, I'm just going to get the sizzle. Look amazing. And what's the advantage of um, grating the onions? So, okay, as far as I'm aware, there's two reasons why one would do it. One, 
is when you grate the onion, you get like a lovely pulp and yeah. that will just sort of more evenly spread throughout the meat. So you don't well, get any lumps, chunks of exactly, chunks of onion. which can break it up. But also the, the sort of um, acids in the onion help tenderize the meat. Oh, okay. So there's... Some so people say that, some people don't. I kind of agree. I think it so does. So when the onion juice comes out, when you're grating it, yeah. you're, you're making more of that juice to exactly. kind of Exactly, and you tenderise that meat. So again, the whole point is having the juiciest kebab that you can. Yeah. That's I have like, to say, when I when I make burgers, I always grate the onion yeah. for the, exactly the same reason. Definitely. And it can seem like a bit, you know, of a faff. In fact, most people can't chop that fine anyway. No. Only a few chefs can dice, you know, so like tiny. tiny, tiny. Yeah, so it's much quicker. Yeah. Much better. Cool. And then... Um, Let's talk about the sp the spice mixes again, just to go back. So we've got um, we've got your seven spice mixes, which I found out because I was looking online, doing my online shopping. Aww. That um, Schwartz do do Lebanese, they? Yeah, they do Lebanese seven I spice. Never knew that. Now, How crazy all go out and is buy that? It. It's amazing. Yeah, I know. I mean, this is not an advert for them, <laughs> but I was really surprised because I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to say go online, blah blah yeah. blah. But it's one of their new. Well, that's like, amazing. Spice I didn't mixes. know that. That's great. Do you know what seven I'll be, spices are? I'll be in are, touch soon, Schwartz. Um, so it's got it's got allspice, uh, cloves, cinnamon. It's like everyone has a different mix as well. Oh, yeah, so of course, I don't know. So different. But essentially, it's a bit like a garam masala. So it's the kind of big woody spices in there, and the predominant spice that's in all of what well, every mix I saw was always allspice, plenty right. of allspice. Because those are like those spices, like clovey allspice. They're they're kind of very wintry, aren't they? Kind of almost Christmassy. I mean, but warming. They they get they they bring their own kind of heat. It's not like that's a it. yeah. They give a lovely hum and they actually, you can sort of almost yeah. start smelling them quite, quite quickly. Yeah. So where did you discover this particular recipe on your travels? So this is a bit of a, well, I mean, classically from Tripoli. So in Tripoli, the street food's the best and it was probably the place where I ate the most kebab. And what you get, which is rather lovely, is you'll get uh, butchers and bakers quite near each other yeah. in the souks. And the point being, you can go to the baker and buy your bread and then go to the butcher and buy some meat uh, and have a, a they'll, they'll cook a kebab and you can eat it on the bread. Oh, really? Or you do it the other way round. What, bring your own bread? Yeah. Oh. Or you do it the other way round and you go to the butcher and you get like some minced meat, similar to what we yeah, did yeah. here with parsley and onion. Take that to the baker and they'll spread it out on oh, breads, what? you know, like a love margin yeah. or stuff it into pitters. Which I've got. There's called like Aria's Kofta. Yeah. And it's so you go to the the baker. They'll stuff your meat. Yeah. In a pitta and then put it back in the oven and then you eat it with lemon. So it's really lovely. So it's kind of like you're kind of deciding what's going to go in your yeah. meal and then taking and it to quite, them. And they're quite often next to each other for that yeah. very reason. But this was very much like with that in mind and and it's you know quite a classic yeah. mint skewer. But the putting it on hummus is not sort of traditional say if you're getting takeout yeah but if you go to a Lebanese family uh and on Sunday they uh, especially in the countryside they love a barbecue yeah and if you go and have barbecue on a Sunday then yeah. they will bring out with the hummus always kebab right and the, just to me the, the sort of flavors brilliant of uh meat and hummus together yeah. is wonderful so I think it's quite ready no I think you just the thing about cooking meat I've I find is that if you if you leave it long enough, it'll it release itself you, yeah. on it. It'll release yeah, yeah. itself from the air, the thing. And on these little kind of funny urban barbecues, if you try and pull it off, they just all fall through. So it's not. And really what worth sort of it. bread would you would you normally serve the kebabs in? Just like a 
just a really simple flatbread. So right. did you see the ones that I bought? They're like round. Yeah, I bought some random ones. They look really good though. They're, they're slightly more Moroccan style, a bit fluffier. Yeah, yeah um, I think they look I, yum. I found these like puff, really puffy. Puffy bitter. Puffy bitter. I love that. I it's really like Tel Aviv style. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go and get a hummus bowl, you get this amazing like kind of puffy bitters in Tel Aviv, which is so good. Do you remember that... Um, Ottolenghi opened uh, sesame. Yeah. And they had the best puffy pitters yeah. in there. Really well, good. Well, that's the thing, because homemade pitta, it's not that difficult to make. But like, oh, no, you're making a face. John's making a face now. Um, but the rewards of making your own flatbread. I mean, flatbread is a, easy. It's a lot easier or, than... Do you want to move know, out oh, the yeah, smoke? Yeah. Um, flatbread's a lot easier than than like a sourdough loaf, oh, for example. Oh, sourdough. I just don't understand. Like when I see people on Instagram, we've like, oh, we've cultivated this. God, how do you even do it? It's amazing, yeah. like a miracle. Well, you could you could do it. You're talented. Mm, I'm not a baker. Yeah. No. My skills lie elsewhere. I know where my skills lie and it's not in the baking okay. department. And how long are we cooking the... Um, are we so let's talking go back before, and check. Let's, let's go back and have a look at the... Just a couple of minutes. And you've, what you've done is you've formed them onto um, metal skewers, um, which you kind of squidged the, the meat mix around them, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we were just saying, authentically, you would get those really wide, flat skewers yeah. because they look like swords. Yeah, yeah. So then they don't. Um, the meat doesn't around. roll off it. The, yeah, the meat doesn't roll off it. So you're meant um, to like, yeah, if you do chunks of meat. Yeah. I mean, it, they work better as well because again, it just won't roll. But it's not so important. But definitely, when you're doing ground meat, yeah, that's the best. Okay. And really, this is a really interesting food fact that I heard. <laughs> the, the point of that was meant to be from like the old, uh, you know, the people in the army when they were like pre-Ottomans. Yeah. So, um, you know, like Byzantines and old Romans and stuff when they were kind of out and about okay. and they were sort of skewering meat to cook yeah. over fires. That's yeah. where it came from on their swords. Oh, re- so they actually used a sword? Yeah. Well, apparently that's <laughs> what the rumour is <laughs> in the circles that I hang out in. It's... It's weird because like you, you would think it was quite a meaty culture, but actually there's quite a lot of, I mean, as a vegetarian, you could eat so well out Masses, there, couldn't you? Yeah. So meat obviously is huge, but the country is really, really fertile and grows the most incredible mm. fruit and veg and herbs and nuts and pulses. And that is a massive part yeah. of the diet because meat, meat's obviously quite expensive, yeah, expensive there. Yeah. So if you're a farmer and you're feeding your family, meat would be, you know, it's a treat okay. or you might eat it for a special occasion yeah. or a birthday. But the vegetables there are amazing and the yeah. veggie dishes are wonderful. They're really And when lovely. you go to a Lebanese restaurant, you know, there's like hummus, there's um, all, all of the pickles yeah, and, and the yummy, gorgeous yummy. kind of um, salads, you know, yeah. the, um, with loads Fatouche of herbs. Fatouche and taboulets. Yeah, so you and can then, make up a huge spread and falafel yeah. as well, yeah, which yeah. is you've got a recipe for. Yeah. Um, you know, you can make a massive vegetarian spread. Massive. And, yeah. This book's probably got more veggie recipes in. Has it? Unintentionally than I've had probably in previous books, just because just of the because there's so much there. of it, and there's yeah. so much that you've eaten and gone, oh my god, yeah. that's incredible! I want to yeah. get a recipe for that. And it, I think it was because like, like when when you go and eat, say at someone's house, meat will just be one dish of many, yeah. always, and it, the the others will all be like beans and veggies and salads and then lovely Lush. sort of things like that. Okay. Let's go back in. We are, sm- we are properly smoking here. Is it going to release? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, we've pulled the um, kebabs off the grill and um, John's done this incredible platter for us. So so what have we got here? So we've got the lovely um, beef kebabs and they're sitting on 
So the kebabs gorgeous. on a slick of lovely hummus. Mm, homemade, which you made this morning. Homemade. Just for us. I love very that. Very delicious. Uh, <laughs> and you could actually use the Melazia recipe in my book and yeah. just blend it a little bit Or it's in Olive Magazine this. as well. And it's in Olive. <laughs> uh, and um, it's just showered with pine nuts and more pulbiba. Yeah. And then we've got this lovely, um, they're like very quick pickled red onions. You right. just macerate the onions in a bit of salt and lemon. And right. what that does is it sort of sweetens and softens them at yeah. the same time. So and they then, don't have that kind of rawness really and they go gorgeous pink color yeah. as well and so you, you know about sort of 10 minutes is what you want yeah and then you just mix up with some fresh parsley and a load of sumac and you remember i said about that tartness yeah yeah so, so that's, that's where that's it, coming you get through the lemon juice you get the sumac so it's really tart but it's with the sort of juicy slightly fatty meat it just cuts through the rich i was going to say so this is quite a classic like rich rich fatty meat and then creamy hummus and then you're really really sharp yeah. and then you've got your pickled chilies which the, i absolutely love as me well too. i absolutely love them and we've got a pile of bread to the side fantastic Joyous. Can't wait to dig into this because we're yeah. going to do it. Um, so if you want this recipe, it's in the May issue of Olive Magazine, which is out right now. Yes. Um, also, we've got a really exciting thing coming up with John, which is in July. Is Whole that right? Whole press, people. We Hold are on. doing a JGS X Olive Magazine <laughs> event where I'm going to be cooking some recipes from the book, including my lovely beef kebabs. Um, yeah. So we're going to be showcasing this rather amazing menu with a Lebanese wine pairing at Great Gun Social on the 18th of July. Yeah. And all the information will be in the next magazine. Yeah, it'll be in the June online. issue and we'll put it online as well come so people can go me, and see it. Come yeah. and eat, come and have a laugh. It'll be a right yeah. or giggle. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, John. That's been thank brilliant. You. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd really love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com, and there'll be a few recipes from John's book up there soon too. You can pick up a copy of our new May issue on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink charts.